Hey everybody, we are Francis, Martin, and Robert, and this is Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Get ready, we're about to live in your head rent-free. Welcome back to Snakes and Otters. This is Francis sitting in the captain's chair tonight. Now, I'm Robert. I'm Martin. And we're glad that you're here to join us on episode 7. Tonight I've got a, a new topic, as Monty Python would say, new subject, completely new subject. Been doing a little reading lately, as we often do, and one of the books I picked up is Voltaire, A Life by Ian Davidson. It's considered to be the uh, quintessential biography, modern biography, 2012, of Voltaire. And it's somebody that I just kind of lucked into finding out about. Uh, and I, the more I read, and you can start at Wikipedia, actually, and it's very, very complete, and I discovered something about him that is probably not well known. If you know anything at all about Voltaire's life, you'll find out that he was an enormous, an enormously prolific writer. Uh, we know of his work, Candide, which is a, a novel. Uh, it's probably his most famous. But the man wrote 20,000 pages and was a rock star in his own time. It, at the end, he uh, 75 years he lived, and he is. it has been said that the uh, 18th century, the 1700s, was the age of Voltaire. And the reason for that is because he was, he was a dramatist, he was a poet, he was an author, but mostly he was a philosopher. He was somebody who espoused what we would come to know as the Enlightenment. And what I didn't realize about him is he dies in 1787. And this is two years after Franklin, Benjamin Franklin, meets him. And my premise with, to you all is... I think we do Voltaire a disservice by not knowing him well. I think he is the father, philosophically speaking, of what we understand today as the American political character. By that I mean, Voltaire during his life, and we'll talk about it as we go along here, he is the first person to quantify the concepts of freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of the press, and separation of church and state, among many other things. These are all enshrined in the American character after 200 years. I mean, they are in, obviously they are in the Bible. Civil liberties, basically. You can put it all together. All of our civil liberties are Voltaire. He's the first person to write these down and make them popular. And I want to explore that tonight. What are some thoughts? Well, sir, I'm so excited for this topic that it, it borders on sexual arousal. Oh, my God. He said the Stop saying the words. Will I slide down the table? Stop saying the word. Stop saying the sex word. Oh, you can say the sex word. It's always, always cool. Um, but I think you're going to get to varying degrees from Robert and I um, some dissent. Absolutely. I expect um, that. Tying in here, I just finished Walter Isaacson's Benjamin Franklin. You mentioned Franklin, and yes, right. Voltaire and Franklin met uh -huh. near the end of Voltaire's life um, when uh, Franklin was a commissioner uh, during the Revolution in, in, in Europe. Right. And, rock star on his own. Yes, and very much, especially in France. Yes. An enormous rock star in France. Very much so. People would pay to see his carriage go by. Um and he took quite a big advantage of that with the ladies. <laughs> exactly right. Seventy-year-old <laughs> yes, uh, ladies' man, he was called. Voltaire is undoubtedly influential. Yeah. 
but I'm not sure he's the complete fountainhead of the American character. Oh, well, I would uh, agree that, well, only to the extent of those items I mentioned, those civil liberties I mentioned, are not the full fountainhead of the character. But in, in, in so much as those items are us, they come from Voltaire. See, and that's where I'm going to have to step Dissent. in with my disagreement. Yes. So, <clears throat> if you look at um, the uh, writings of the Founding Fathers, yes. uh, you'll see Jefferson explicitly call out John Locke as his source of inspiration. Matter of fact, he cribs Locke in the Declaration. Uh-huh. So, and he's not the only one. Others in you know that Virginia circle, right. uh, which is where most of all this stuff uh, started and what have you, uh, they were the, the movers and the shakers, rather. They didn't start, but you know, they were the movers and right. the shakers. And a good number of them, they mentioned Locke. Mm-hmm. Not so much Voltaire. Now, you are right about one thing for sure. Mm-hmm. He was a big deal. Yes. Uh, he corresponded uh, with Catherine the Great of Russia. Uh-huh. As a matter of fact, as soon as he died, she bought all of his works. That's right. She has, Russia has the library of Voltaire. That's how important... Uh, he was to her. That's right. And he also worked for Frederick the Great. Yes, Which yes. is, you know, un- almost unbelievable. Uh, to be honest, to be a Frenchman as he was, he is so influential because he was exiled into Britain, loved the British, loved their life, only because the free- there were freedoms there as a constitutional monarchy that Britain, I mean, that France at the time, had knew- could care yes. less about. Yes, and very much. And that's part of the, part of the uh, Voltairean... Uh, charism, if you were, is he's experienced all these things at the very at the height of power in Europe of the 1700s. Basically, those four that we've mentioned are, other than Spain, which I'm not sure you can even count at this point. Spain was a declining power. Exactly, very much so. You're talking about he has experience at all of these, and he's basically calling them all out and saying, you know, this is good. This Hobbesian constitutional monarchy you've come up with in England is good. Uh, the Germanies, the reason he loves Germany is because it's Protestant. Yes. Uh, well, Vol- he wasn't even really Protestant himself. Not he's at all. Deist. He's a deist. He, he, but he refers to our Christian religion. He, the man, We talked about it beforehand. The guy is, he's all over the map. Very much with so. his opinion, almost schizophrenic. Which is probably yes, but, schizophrenic is a good way to put it. And with that's so why, much output, again, that's it. You're talking about somebody that wrote for what is it, fifty some years? That's correct. Uh, almost continuously, and was read. Yeah, because there, he's bouncing be from jokes. country to country. The more he's performed, and the more he's read, the more his star rises. He's a little prickly. There's no question as to that. Uh, he ends up having to. He gets he gets sent to the Bastille twice in France, basically for his speech. For his speaking. And that, I think, is one of the foundational moments. He ends up getting exiled to Britain because he won't shut up. He, he dares to criticize the French king, Louis XV. And that's why he finds himself, you know, he doesn't have any love for being French because France doesn't love him back. And he wants that, but he doesn't get that. That's why he's willing to go work for supposedly an enlightened monarch, which is Frederick the Great, in Prussia at this time. Although, because he even writes a letter to Frederick saying, you know, the best thing you could do is to outlaw the Christian religion. Because yes. everybody that thinks will love you for that. <laughs> and that's, uh, but Frederick but, was not wanting to go that far. Yeah, but at the same time, Voltaire is a creature of his circumstance. France, very, very much so. France is the place where Catholicism is intertwined with 
power structure. Correct. The most in, in Europe, probably. Well, Spain, too. Yeah. That's correct. But Spain, as you said, is in decline it's at declining this point. power, yes. Uh, and it is it is basically, you might even say, uh, attempted to be a vassal state of France. Uh, of course, which uh, didn't succeed well. Well, at this time, I think you could make the argument that the church and the government is intimately intertwined in all of the Catholic states. Yeah. Right. Austria-Hungary, mm-hmm. uh, wherever the Habsburgs are. Right. Uh, Spain, uh, France. Uh, in France, in particular... Well, the cardinals have ruled so heavily there. Well, it's part of the national estates. I mean, it's, it's like having... If our government had three houses in the, in the legislative branch, and one of those houses was priests. Mm-hmm. Um, because it is part of the national estates, uh, right? And and so there is a strong clerical presence, and then a strong reaction to that. Mm-hmm. And that's again two years later when they, well, I guess a little more when they start chopping people's heads off. That's right. It, it's it's a it's an anti-clerical, very much so revolution. Because Voltaire was the intellectual father of the revolution uh, because he the people had become so enamored with his ideas. Of freedom of religion, freedom of the press, freedom of speech, separation of church and state. Now, every one of those, I will submit, Mm -hmm. is because he's a self-centered bastard. (laughs) (laughs) There's truth to that. Absolutely. There's no question. Every one of those benefits him specifically. Well, he he has been he has been tormented by their absence. The only reason he's been tormented is because those things are not in place to protect him. Well, see, that's, that's what I mean. It. He's looking. He he wants those because it personally benefits him. He's not Catholic, though he professes to be Christian, right? Uh, because back then, you know, even if you were really, he would be at best a Unitarian. Yeah, we would call it today. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he didn't really care for the Unitarians yeah. of his he day. He was definitely. He was not. An he atheist. has been painted that way, but that is right. totally incorrect. He actually said, uh, and he meant this as a good thing, that if God did not exist, we would have to invent him. Yes, uh, and that is actually wasn't meant as a knock against God and religion. But anyways, um, but because of that, uh, he was not tied into the uh, faith of his country. He wanted freedom of religion. Right. Because he wanted to be able to say whatever he wanted. He wanted freedom of press. Right. Um, what are the other two that you? Uh, uh, freedom of speech. And freedom of speech. Yeah. Speech and press for him are going to be the same. Thing. That's exactly right. One is one is global. The other is individual. Yeah, and, and what was the fourth then? Uh, separation of church and state. Separate. Oh, which again ties back to freedom of religion for him because he didn't want uh-huh. uh, because he was not part of the power structure. Right. He wanted to separate that. That's correct. Right. Because he believed he was a rationalist. Yes. Very much so, and he believed that if you you should have the ability to rationally think about anything that you want and do it and if you're not able to do if that conflicts with the religious uh, orthodoxy of the time then you should still be permitted to do it he's very much uh, I would I don't want to call him a hedonist because he's not that he does no. believe in social order yeah but he does believe that civil liberties just to well, lump them all together I, I, I would object, I, and I think he might object to the to the phrase civil liberties because of what the civil meaning you know civilians the people the citizens right what that's going to apply because he actually he did not think much of his fellow man absolutely and no he was not much for democracy no oh, not and, and see that's why he is so fascinating because he is advocating on one side freedom for the common man which that's how we take it well that's how he, we take it but I think he meant he it for the intellectual it. that is not absolutely the, it that is know. correct of it which was, he was firmly a member. That's right. Only those who think 
mm-hmm. deserve to be, uh, shall we call that a thinkocracy? There's a better word, but that's that's kind of what we're talking about here. He believes those who can think, those who who are intellectually superior. He was racist, very it's, much so. Oh, very much so. Yeah. Uh, but you know, there are quotes from him both on both sides of that. There are quotes of, from him praising the good works that the, that the Catholic Church does, Absolutely. as well as quotes condemning the church. That's correct. That's why I say he's a uh, uh, he's all over the map. That's right. Um, he considered the, the theological beliefs superstition, but he recognized that the good works they do. Yes, that nobody does them better. Nobody does them better. That's nobody exactly does right. better. Interesting thing about him, you said a thinkocracy. I would just call it this, which same thing, but maybe a little bit more elegant. It's it's an aristocracy of the mind. Absolutely, absolutely. That's him. a better way to put it. Um, because he he didn't he did not think much at all of democracy. He thought very much a dictator. What we would call a dictatorship. He's today. very Hobbesian in that area. He thinks one man with a vision. That's right. One man. With a vision. With a vision. That's right. Which, again, Would eventually have ruled them all. That's exactly right. The, the attraction of Quoting Khan Noonien Singh there, for those of you Trek fans out there. As but, Rome under Caesar, think of its accomplishments. That's Voltaire. Yeah, so, you know, he is, uh, he's very much, uh, uh, like I said, to me it comes down to that selfish bastard. <laughs> you know, the more yeah. you read about well, him. It, an elitist who is at the same time an advocate for common person virtues. What we would consider common... Because, again, he See, wasn't for the common people then having it. Right, correct. but he's for the virtues. But we want everybody to have Yeah, and an elitist at the same time. And there's the difference. There's, we'll, that's different. That we'll is talk a about that in the next episode. Yeah, for Franklin. That's yeah. that's a divergence. I mean, now, his philosophy... Obviously, we're going to recognize good good part, a good deal of Very it. Very much so. Now, we're also, not, we're also going to recognize a lot of it, but in people we would consider villains... You know, do tell. Well, uh, it was, yeah. This it, is... Depending on what time you're talking about, sure. where he's writing, uh-huh. uh, he did not think much of Jews uh, yes. at all. No. But at other times, he praised them greatly. Correct. Uh, it wasn't until he had bad dealings with somebody who was Jewish, some financial deal or something, uh, from the quick bits that I read. Right. Uh, went that when that went sour. Later on, he then retracted and said, "I should not attribute to the entire race." The faults of one person. Which goes back to and, that selfish bastard you're talking about. Right. So right. much of his intellectual output is tied to his experience. Yes, very much so. Yeah. Um, so in, in many ways, uh, I think, in many ways, I think that's somewhat a um, uh, uh, an outgrowth of him being a, a deist. Right. Um, because if God's up here not interacting with man, mm-hmm. uh, you are pretty much left your own experience for, right. for guidance. Uh, but anyways, he uh, he had very negative on Islam. Right. Uh, called them all. Um, uh, oh, I, I I don't have it right in front of me. Basically, thought they were all uh, dictatorships. Right. Uh, where you know, basically, not unlike what we think of Islam today, uh, people would look at what he wrote about it and think, you know, women have no rights. The people are treated as slaves, et cetera, et cetera. It's not unlike what we would hear from some people today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, very much. Uh, acknowledged the sacrifice of Christians like we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, he very much thought that with the rise of uh, the Catholic Church is why Rome fell, which I think we would all recognize it's a um, uh, correlation, cor- correlation, but not causation. Not, not causation. causation. Correct. Uh, matter of fact, I think it'd go the other way. Because Rome fell, the Church was able to rise because the Church stepped into the into to, the void. Into the void. Uh, uh, that's an the entirely Roman, different. The Roman Church is the successor state. 
to the Western Empire. Yes, right. very much so. Very much so. I mean, that's a Peter Heather. I love that book too, The Restoration of Rome. Yeah, yeah. Now, that's a good interesting one. thing though, so, you know, like we said, he, he wasn't much for giving these these rights to his common man because he didn't think much of them. But he said in a '63 essay, I'm going to read this quote. He supported the toleration of other religions and, religions and ethnicities. It does not require great art or magnificently trained eloquence to prove that Christians should tolerate each other. I, however, am going further. I say that we should regard all men as our brothers. What, the Turk, my brother? The Chinaman, my brother? The Jew? The Siam? Yes, without doubt. Are we not all children of the same father and creatures of the same God? See, that is... That's a, there, there's his genius. But it is so at odds with so much else. <laughs> That's correct. But it's That's classic right. deist thinking. That's yes, correct. Yes. And it's and it's the Enlightenment is attributed to Voltaire. If you had to pick one, it's kind of like if you had to if everyone else was like my high school teacher taught us about literature. He says if you had to if everyone that ever did it was a charlatan and there could only be one who was true, who would that be? In this case, for this subject, it's Voltaire for the Enlightenment. Uh, he was speaking of literature, and he said Dante was. But, but undoubtedly, Voltaire context. is building on... Yes, he stands on the shoulders of giants of before him. Hobbes, and Locke, mm-hmm. and, and... Hume. But again, yeah, he is tied hugely into British thinkers. Correct. Uh, I think he even meets Adam Smith at one time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think so does Franklin. Right. Uh, Voltaire's great strength in many ways is the fact that he doesn't die... For a long, 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 long time. Yes, he was 83 when he died. 83, and this is unheard of. Yes. Unheard of. He, that's a good age today. That's exactly yeah. right. And it was amazing uh, that he, he remembered Louis the Fourteenth and served through the 15th and was still there when the 16th was reigning. He saw three kings. Uh, he, he met all the crown heads of Europe uh, and was, by the time he died, he was, as I said, the rock star. It did not, it's only because he lived so long and put out such an amazing output that that came about. Yeah. I, you could very much, you know, to use a good football analogy, you could say he picked up the ball and ran with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like I said, we, you know, he stood on the, the shoulders of others yeah. before but him. He was far but more he articulate. He, his his it, articulation, yeah, the, the I think, is and, and why he's given that title of well, and I think he father spoke of the Enlightenment on more subjects. Yes, you know, he was much broader from right. what I can. He was tell. able to take the philosophies of some and apply them broadly to so many subjects, and I think that's why. But. You know, it's something that we as Americans ignore at our peril. I think so much of because because he lived so long and wrote so much. Voltaire gives these truths, these virtues that we value so much, an enormous amount of discussion and mm-hmm. uh, creation and polish and meditation and all those things that you know. By the time we get it. It's pretty much established this is the right way to be, but we often unquestionably take that. But is he ultimately a huge failure? Even with all of this thought, he essentially affects no political change in France. None. None. At his at the time. It depends on are you going to are you going to lay the the intellectual feet of the revolution at his feet? I don't know if the revolution is an intellectual feat. No, the you've got to remember the French Revolution is a class that is correct. class thing it's, that is correct it's basically peasant revenge for being shit on by the clerical class and the and, and the, the elites and the monarchs the elite that is true but one of the reasons it, but, but the entire concept of liberté égalité fraternité republic comes from the fact that we wish basic freedoms like freedom of speech 
freedom of assembly, freedom of religion. Not so much freedom of religion because they're all Catholics. They don't really care about that. But toleration of... Toleration the, of other religions. Of others. Yes. That's correct. And see, that's why I'm thinking that he was not the political father of the revolution. And in many respects, it was almost inevitable based on the politics of the time. I would say, if you want to give him any credit, it's not for the revolution. It's at least not the first one. You got to you can maybe give him credit for the revolutions that followed. France had more than one revolution. Right. You had the revolution, which is basically, like you said, the peasants rising. Which up. A peasant uprising. Yes. Simi- England had had these same things happen, <coughs> but oh, they yes. had never succeeded. Yes. They were only brief. Jack Cage rebellion, uh, rebellions during the Wars of the Roses. There's Watt Tyler. Watt Tyler and all these rest of them. They're popular uprising, but they are crushed. Uh, during the War of the Roses, you know that was probably the closest they got, uh, and they almost pulled it off, but they were crushed pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, in in France, they didn't happen. It was well, that's because in France you only have to take one city. Well, that's correct. He who rules Paris rules France. Uh, Jack Cade almost did it. Took London during Henry the Sixth's reign, and it's only because they were able to hold it. Uh, it may have gone differently. I don't think so. I don't think yeah. he ever had a chance. Well, but and. Voltaire might be a philosophical father of the revolution, but yeah, I think you're right. Not a political father, exactly, um, because I mean, it's it's too complicated. Yeah, I mean, once it starts out as this, well, we're going to get rid of the king and be a republic, and then it descends into the Directory and well, the, uh, terror, the terror, and the terror, chopping everybody's heads off, and then you've yeah. got to come out on the other side with the consulate, that's right. and eventually you're right back where you started. That's right, with an empire. With an empire. An enlightened and, despot. Another enlightened despot. Which, so, who was apparently more enlightened, because they were willing to, they not only tolerated him, they loved him. Well, well but it's an end to cutting people's heads off. Well, that's right. Well, once you come to an end of cutting people's heads off, everybody's a lot, you know, a lot more mellow. <laughs> well, that that'll do it. Brilliant, <laughs> brilliant <laughs> sir. <laughs> That's very good. Okay, they stopped cutting How's that Angels Envy bourbon? I think you're having some of it there. It makes you. Uh, yeah, I was getting ready to interrupt and everything and say, you know, in case you uh, hear a couple of ice cubes clinking. That's right. Mine's already melted. Mine's already yeah, melted. That's yes. right. Uh, uh, we have. But uh, yes, we are sipping on a little Angels Envy out here on the patio. Uh, you can probably even hear the birds in the background. And. Uh, Man, we just this Angel's Envy is just, it's the king. Yeah, we polished off this bottle, and next time we'll have to get a new one. Yeah. Um, I actually did a distillery tour today oh. uh, in Lexington. Uh, and uh, Which one? What is it called? Town Town Branch. Okay, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's the same folks that actually make the uh, bourbon barrel ale. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's all the same deal. They make the bourbon barrel ale there, and now they've gone it's into BBC. distilling. Bluegrass Brewing Company. Uh, Alltech. Alltech. Uh, maybe okay. a different bourbon barrel yeah. ale. Yeah. Um, but it's, oh, yeah, I think it is. It's it's a different, it's not the BBC brand, it's the other brand, the Kentucky. Uh, but they make a diff- bunch of different beers, and now they've gone into distilling. Mm-hmm. And the uh, my favorite in the tasting was the 120 proof. Ooh. It was good. Now that I do recommend a splash of water. That, uh, that, <laughs> it, got that one a little bit. It was yes. good, because it... Um, a real full depth of flavor, mm-hmm. a lot like this with the Angel's Envy, right. which is so good. We're getting close to the end of our time here. We've got a little oh, bit more left. we've got plenty left. of time. We can cover five, six, seven, eight topics. Absolutely. Seven minutes we've got. I want to make sure. Uh, it sounds to me like we're we're fairly in agreement as to his contributions, but I would, I would put it like this. I would say that philosophically, he 
espoused and expanded mm-hmm. on because I think a lock. I think Locke says a lot of this stuff before him. He talks about um, separation of church and state. Mm-hmm. He talks about a lot of these freedoms. Now, Voltaire might get the modern day and certainly the European credit for a lot of right. this, which you know we can talk about in the next episode when we talk about the uh, uh, the revolution. Uh, but uh, the American American Revolution, the American Revolution. Yeah. Um, but he was horrible at the living it. Which is not unlike uh, you know a Christian life. That's right. We are great at saying the ideal. That's right. Which to we me, fall far short uh, of living. But it. you mean that was what is fascinating. You know, all his philosophy and great philosophy aside, because he wrote so much, we know so much about him. He is fun to read about. He really is. He's an he's a loon. He's a hoot. He is an absolute curmudgeon. Uh, he is opinionated. And but people love him. People really. I mean, you can buy busts of him on Amazon.com today. He's considered to be the intellectual of modern, the grandfather of modern intellectualism. I think that's a disservice to him because yeah. he's not that. I mean, I think that's a political thing. I do not think that's a philosophical yeah. thing. Well, and honestly, when people, for those that even know who he is today, that's right. They're not going to think of him as a philosopher first. They're going to think of him, you know, the author of Candide, if they know him at all. Right. So, yeah. It, at I, least in America. I can't speak certainly, for Europe. Certainly, that's I, true. We are speaking yeah, from yeah, a uniquely yeah. American perspective, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, always. The French may, I mean, for all I know, the French really know him. Well, apparently I know they, they do. do. I know yeah, they revere I mean, him. You're right. In France, he is still looked upon as a hero of... of Pre-revolution ideals, right? See, and I wonder, um, I wonder because you know he was in trouble a lot, and because he was constrained by the system he lived in. Right. That's why I, I still say one of the reasons why he wanted these freedoms. Amen. I, I wonder if um, it's not unlike what happens here that when we look back with modern eyes, we attribute more to the man uh, than maybe what was happening at the time. You know, like I said, I don't see a huge philosophical underpinning. Uh, to the revolution in the beginning. Now, after they throw out the king, they behead him, and you know they're getting rid of all of the uh, the elite, the aristocracy. You know, maybe they start looking around. Well, what are we going to do now? That's correct. And uh, then maybe they look to, hey, you know what? This guy, he just died a few years ago. He was pretty smart. That's and that's kind of what happened because so many of the basic freedoms that Napoleon would give in his early days. This is when he was the consulate, first consul right. of Rome. Uh, the French people were very enamored with the freedoms they were given, and most of those came from Voltaire because these things were out there. And at least, at least they were given lip service. Yeah. Uh, now, French history, not my forte. So, the freedoms that they were given, who enjoyed them the most? Hmm. Are they the intellectuals, the intellectual elites, or did really even the peasants, what we would call the poor, uh, enjoy that because remember, it was a peasant revolt that started the revolution. Right, and Voltaire didn't think much of them to begin with. And you would think that the revolution might even prove him correct on that because yes, were, you know, yes, he would very much see, say, say see, "See, I told you so. I yeah. told you what would happen." Yeah, yeah that's right. The the, the the directory and the terror and everything. You will not hear me say much in the positive way uh, about Bonapartism, but Napoleon did, for the most part, other than his absolute power, grant those on a broad scale. That's correct. They, they, the Napoleonic Code, in many respects, owes a lot of its underpinnings 
to Voltaire. Yeah. I mean, they really did begin to have where every person in the country uh, had value before the law under Napoleon. Right. Again, I, I'm not going to be the one sitting here singing the praises of Bonapartism. Which, right. which is well, unheard of. In, the, in French society. Yeah. Well, Whereas right. England... In European society. That's right. England was already doing that. Well, they Not were, to the extent that we... Not that, yeah, that we would do. They were working towards what we would consider proper today. Yes. French certainly had no experience of it because everybody standing equal before the law, that is such a modern thing. You know, now you might have had during the height of the Republic of Rome and maybe some of the emperors some of that standing... Yeah, but it but was you limited. Had, yeah, you had to. Be you had limited. some limited examples of that in Greece. You, you had to yeah. be patrician to be able to yeah. really get much. I mean, of that. you know, th- there's equality, and then there's equality. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, having equal standing for the law is a huge thing. Well, it is, yeah, in I my mean, opinion, one of the first marks of a civilized society. Amen. Yeah. That's well, exactly I mean, right, and that's kind of why we're discussing Voltaire. Put a line through 1862. There's your mark where yeah. um, a modern democracy says. Everybody has equality before the law. Yeah, yeah. And it takes another hundred years to try to make that a reality, but that's the, that's your spot. Yeah. September 1862. Yeah. Emancipation Proclamation, Thank bro. You. I know. Well, actually, it wasn't yeah. released uh, until it, later that year. It yeah. was, it's it, correct. It was yeah. actually over uh, over Christmas, I believe. Yeah, it was Christmas. But that's, yeah, when, he, that's when he wrote it, after Antietam. Actually, I understand well, he had it in his yeah, drawer. He, 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 he had it in the summer, but he didn't actually but they, really. They, they told was, him to hold it until he, he there was needed a victory, some, some kind of victory, and that's when he decided. Okay, let's finally move. gives him one. All right. So, well, not not kind of. not on purpose. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. You know, because he brought his, another uh, military leader. We're not going to be singing too many praises. That's right. No, no, you know, no. The reason he loses so many battles is because he brings himself to them. Yes. Thank. We are just right at time, gentlemen. Any last final thoughts before we close out? Um, the man was an intellectual giant, but pardon my French, no pun intended. He's a dick. I mean, he really was a jerk. Okay, well, we've already called entire nationalities that, so don't don't be shy. Well, that's true. That's true. But I mean, you know, he, he, you're right. He is uh, fascinating in, in that sense. Mm. His intellectual prowess uh, in the 18th century is phenomenal. It is just by the scope of what he wrote, and to be able to reach so many people across a continent yeah. at that time. That's right. It's pretty amazing because you're right. I mean, he was a rock star for that time. That's right? correct. And, and Everybody he, knew who he was. And he, he never Everybody. held any political power whatsoever. And yet, popularly, he's amazing. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe that's kind of the start of this revolution that, we were, that we're going to talk about in the next episode. Yeah, well, so we got some, some meat on the bone for next episode. Amen. Right. That'd be great. Join us next time, folks, when we're going to talk a little bit more about the philosophical underpinnings and about Franklin and uh, the American Revolution and how this works. Thanks for being with us here every week at Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Be sure to spread the word on your social media accounts. Follow us and retweet us. We are on Instagram and on Twitter at Snakes and Otters. Let your friends know that they can find us on Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and on YouTube. Just search Snakes and Otters Podcast to find us. And please, remember to leave us your comments and reviews. It helps people find us. And you can always send us an email at snakesandotterspodcast at gmail.com. I'm Martin. I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Catch us next week. Same snake time, same otter channel. Yeah.